Well, I want to read to you again the series scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And the essence of that scripture, it says, He always leads us in triumphal procession, which means in every area of life, including this area where someone might be discouraged. He's going to lead you out and lead you into encouragement. Hallelujah. You've had your last down day in Jesus' name. And it doesn't make a difference how you got there. God doesn't really care how you got there. He just wants you to come up and out of that thing. So you can do and be what you're called to do and to be. Now, remember that discouragement is the loss of confidence or courage, enthusiasm. It's where you literally become dispirited. It's where you look out on life and there's not really anything to look forward to in your heart. Your hope seems to be diminishing. In other words, that inner image you had on the inside of you about something good coming in life, something coming around the corner, something about to happen, that's, that's disappearing in your life and discouragement has taken its place. Oftentimes, this spirit of discouragement is accompanied by a loss of joy and a loss of peace, basically missing things like, like excitement and enthusiasm for the things of God in life. And ultimately, it'll lead to a loss of purpose and meaning. Turn to somebody and tell them, God doesn't want you discouraged. We look in scripture and we see many examples of people in the Bible who were discouraged and battled this, but guess what? It didn't keep them there. And you're able to go forward as well and do and be what God has called you to do and be. David had setbacks, but he didn't let it keep him back. Job had hardships. And when he got past all the nonsense that people spoke into his life, including his own wife, Look at somebody and tell them, spouses should encourage each other. Just want to point this out. When your spouse in a hard time says, curse God and die, that's not a good spouse. She needs to repent. Hallelujah. I've often said that Job's wife and Lot's wife are in a special place in heaven. We'll just leave it right there. Amen. But you know, uh, Joshua, his mentor Moses was gone. All this responsibility is now his. And his, his friend and mentor is not there to point the way or to speak into his life. And yet he overcame that. Elijah was literally exhausted to the, to the point of wanting to die. And the Lord came alongside of him, ministered to him and said, you know what, you're not done yet. There are kings to anoint. Amen. There are prophets to a point. There are things for you to do yet. And some of you need to hear that right now. There are things for you to do still. Do you know that when you get to heaven, you can't do anything else to advance the kingdom of God from there in terms of getting people saved and in the kingdom? It's over as far as that goes. So, you know, enjoy the time that you're here and make a difference. Hezekiah was threatened by Sennacherib and even tried to approach the people of Hebrew, the Hebrews in their own language to intimidate them, and yet they overcame it. How many understand that Moses led the people of God out of oppression and discouragement from in the Exodus? We know that Nehemiah was opposed in the rebuilding of the wall. And he told the people, you keep a hold of your weapon with one hand and you build with the other one. Turn to somebody and tell them, hold your weapon and keep on building. But discouragement's not a part of that mix. There are people in the Bible, you know, like Jeremiah, who dealt with loneliness and dealt with great oppression, and Elisha, who dealt with lack. But at the end of the day, no matter what these individuals went through, they came up out of discouragement, and you're coming out of it in Jesus' name, too. You know, the funny thing about discouragement is a lot of people that have it, other people don't know they have it. Because we are masters of the Christian pose. 
We're masters of the Christian face. This is how we're supposed to look. This is what our face is supposed to look like. But you know that God's not looking at your face. He's looking at your heart. And whether you're telegraphing discouragement to other people or not, it's still having an adverse effect in your life. God wants to bring you out of that today, encourage you in Jesus' name, and then keep you in that place of encouragement and then use you to help other people that are struggling with it as well. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're part of God's fix. You're not the problem. You see, the antidote of discouragement is, in, is encouragement. It's powerful, free, and available. And you and I need to receive it, and we need to give it. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. It's free. It's powerful. It's available. There's lots of it. Joshua was told in chapter 1 and verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why would he say that? You can't get done what I've called you to do, running around discouraged all the time. You know, some of you, the devil works on you overtime to keep you that way. Have you ever stopped to think why? If you're as worthless as you think you are, if you don't matter like the devil's told you, then why does he keep messing with you to paralyze you? You must be a whole lot more valuable to the kingdom of God than you realize. Yes, amen. You and I should take that tip from God's message to Joshua. Don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Well, people left me. Jesus didn't. The people left behind. No, Jesus didn't. People betrayed me. Jesus didn't. Never has, never will. He's the one person that will never turn his back on you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Take courage today in those words. No matter what happens, no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, and sometimes your perspective is wrong, like the time the servant said to the prophet, look at all of these enemy forces. And he said, Lord, open up his eyes so he could see. And when he did, he saw the vast army of God. But the truth of the matter is, it matter much to God. And you should remember that he has never and never will leave you. I think you celebrate that fact today. God is with you. God is for you. God is never going to leave you. Hallelujah. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? Especially in a day that is as weird as it is today. Look at somebody and say, it's weird out there. I want to talk to you briefly about the ministry of encouragement and then how you can stay encouraged yourself. Let me say, first of all, encouragement will restore your perspective. In 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, Paul talks about the second coming of our king. He mentions the, the rapture and the essence of the church being caught together and the sheer amazement of what has been prophesied. As you know, he prophesied that he was coming. He's coming again. I said he's coming again. And if you and I aren't careful, we get so busy and so attached down here we're not remembering what he said. You know what he said in both cases? He said, encourage one another with these words. 
It would do us good sometime when we run into a discouraged brother or sister is tell them he's on his way back. Don't you give up. He's coming back for you. He's got plans for you. Hell itself can't stop him from coming back. Hallelujah. No disease or problem or financial mountain or issue can stop him from coming back. Encourage one another with these words. I find that striking in Scripture that he would use the narrative and the teaching of his return to force the issue of encouragement. In Hebrews 10, 25, the Bible tells us why we come to church. Well, some folks say, I come to church to worship the Lord. I come to church to hear the word. I come to church to have some donuts. <laughs> there are lots of reasons why people come to church they think is the reason for coming. But according to the writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we come here so that we can exhort one another to love and good works. We come together to encourage one another. Amen. Just by your lovely face walking in the door, it's encouraging. Amen. I told Charlie, you know, in between services, that he's the best thing to happen in 2020. He goes, What? <laughs> and the devil's going to rue the day he messed with that boy. Amen. Yes, amen. amen. You know, encourage. I mean, how could you not be a pastor and not be encouraged by what God's doing in his life? We encourage one another. What God has brought us through, the victories he's given to us. The things the enemy tried to do, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And yet God has overcome them all. The very present one is on the job. So he said, comfort, encourage one another with these words. Come with a mindset to encourage. You don't realize it, but you do encourage somebody when they see you. You have an essence, you have a force, you have an anointing, you have a call, you have a purpose, and you downplay your significance because you believe the lie of the devil. I'm telling you, you must be worth something. He died for you. Amen. Hallelujah. How much are you worth? Blood. That's how much you're valued by the king. But what will happen is, encouragement coming to your heart will restore perspective in your heart and life. At the apex of that, that is coming back. It doesn't make any difference how bad or good it is on earth. It's not going to stop him from coming back. Jesus said there would be wars and rumors of wars. He said there would be pestilence and earthquakes and outbreaks and all kinds of nonsense. And then he said these words, and if there are, I ain't coming. <laughs> That's not what it says. He simply said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Hang in there. Amen. Hallelujah. Encouragement fills a void in the hearts of people that no one else is filling. Right. We have this idea that, that somebody is encouraging that person and somebody is encouraging that person. But you know, a lot of people walking around with a void in their heart. And when you come along and you say or do something encouraging, it fills something in them that is pronounced and very, very powerful. I want you to get a hold of this. When you encourage somebody, when you say something good to them or about them, when you lift them up, when you bless them, when you praise them in terms of, of something that God is doing in them or through them, they've accomplished something, you don't understand. There's a supernatural dynamic to that. 
Someone who really hooks up with someone that encourages them, the sky is the limit. Somebody to believe in you. Somebody to encourage you. Somebody to lift you up to the next level. I had a swim coach. I had many swim coaches, but the one that is my favorite is a man named Dave Deitch. He taught at Kent State for years, but at that time he was at SIU, and he was our coach. And I'll tell you what, he, was, he, he conducted himself in such a way that you wanted to excel. Are you here today? I mean, there is encouragement there. And I wasn't some, you know, all that. I was just a kid, but took the time to invest and to sow and to say certain things that would position me. So, you know, if you were a swimmer, you know there's the freestyle and the backstroke and the butterfly. Amen. Amen. And what else? Who said breaststroke? Whoever said breaststroke, Bill Winston will give you a $100 bill. No, not really. <laughs> well, breaststroke was, was my stroke. The problem is that for a long time, I couldn't figure out how to do it legally. So every time I swam in a meet, they disqualified me. In fact, you know, I used to get them so often, I'd just tear them up and flush them down the toilet. The coach would say, where's the disqualification? Oh, it's, it's floating somewhere in the sewer by now. I didn't want to see it again. The starters started feeling sorry for me. And every time you would see that you'd do something wrong, that there's an official dressed like the Pillsbury Doughboy in all white from head to toe, and up that hand would go, and they weren't praising the Lord. <laughs> that meant I got one. <laughs> but over time, I learned how to do it right. <clears throat> and he would say, you can do it right. Got to get you stronger. Got to do this right. And you wanted to. So now you're entering to this, this you know, pool deck in this meet, and you want to please somebody who's investing in you. And I'm telling you what, I went from getting disqualified within two years being nationally ranked in that stroke. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Say, well, that's just you. No, I'm telling you that there's potential in you for that kind of greatness. You just need to be encouraged and you need to be an encourager. Come on, look at somebody and tell them there's greatness on the inside of you. Come on, say it again. There's greatness on the inside of you. I wanted to win. I wanted to lower my time. I wanted to excel. That's what happens when there's a void there in terms of some area of life. And it takes people that are educators. One of the reasons I, I'm thrilled with teachers is because that teacher can make all the difference in that child's life. That crossing, those paths, they're amazing. See, a lot of people, I'm just a teacher. No, you're not. You're anointed to mold a mind for advancement and victory, amen, and success in life. You better take your profession seriously because I sure do. I had a teacher in first grade. I thought hung the moon. Her name was Mrs. Violet. And you might say that I had Mrs. Violet wrapped around my finger. I mean, come on now. And I did. You know what you wanted to do? You wanted to perform. When someone took the time to encourage you, you wanted to perform. You wanted to excel. And I can tell you that Every person in this room has that potential if it can be unlocked with encouragement. Amen. 
Say it with me. I've got a void. And God can fill it. Third, encouragement connects you to those you encourage. Boy, when you encourage someone, hallelujah, they get connected to you. There's a basis of relationship there. You know that you're going to be edified when you're around that person. Do you know what discouragement does? It disconnects. But encouragement connects you to things that are healthy. Number four today, encouragement demonstrates value for the person that we're encouraging. If I'm encouraging you, there's value there. There's importance there. Sometimes we value people, but we don't let that translate into encouragement. Number five, encouragement motivates and inspires us to get out of the ditch. Encouragement you know, motivates us to do something that we're supposed to do, to live at a level we're supposed to live. Hallelujah. Number six, is this number six? Encouragement edifies, builds up, and strengthens. Some people just have no idea how powerful the effect on the person that, that they encourage really is. And it doesn't take a big sermon. The right word at the right time in the right tongue, can absolutely transform their life. And it doesn't necessarily take a thousand people to do it. That one coming across their path. Next, encouragement opens the mind to possibilities, dreams, and visions. One of the problems with discouragement is you can't dream. You can't see past the end of your nose. All you can do is service this, this wound inside of your heart. But when you are encouraged, suddenly you can dream again. You can have a vision again. Come on, lift your hand right now and say, God, deposit a vision. Deposit a dream in my life, in my heart. And I tell you, when we encourage one another, it's like fertilizer for that thing. And things begin to happen. Next, encouragement refreshes the spirit. It emboldens the spirit. It recharges the spirit. That's because 1 Timothy 4, 6 talks about how faith words nourish. We nourish one another with those words. Can I tell you something that, that is very important for you to get a hold of? What God has assigned you to be, what God has assigned you to do. Years ago when this church was being established and being reestablished after they decided that, well, it's not going to make it, you know, with seven, eight people. How are they going to do that over there on 16th and Glendale? But the Lord raised up leaders and Jerry Henley and Rita Henley and they came the call of God to work this thing and keep it going. And they sowed the seed of the concept of the church that love built. And that certainly was the way when I walked in the door years ago as a, a freshman in college. And I can tell you this, it's still the mandate of God. You know what needs to happen is encouragement actually is a manifestation of love. You stop to encourage someone, you're showing the love of God. You're breathing life into that person. Can I tell you something? When people think about you, oh, that whole Harbor bunch, you know, as a pastor, I want them to think things like, well, first of all, they're going to think you're a little weird, so just get over that. <laughs> but when they think about you, oh, that whole Harbor bunch, that's a godly bunch. Amen. Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. Oh, that's a godly bunch. Amen. I want them to say, oh, that's a faith-filled bunch. Amen. They believe for crazy things over there. But do you know more than anything, that whole Harbor bunch, boy, that is a loving bunch. That is an encouraging bunch. Amen. We're at every workplace, 
at every place where you might spend your time, in every classroom, you're that person that encourages. Come on, say it with all your heart. I'm that person. I'm not the one that discourages everybody. I'm the one that encourages in that environment. You'd be amazed how many doors that'll open up to impact people's lives. When they know, oh, here comes that encourager. Are you here today? But you know, more than anything else, the ministry of encouragement in the hearts of people, get this down and write it down in big, bold letters. Encouragement literally is oxygen for the soul. It literally feeds the soul with life-giving oxygen. It's literally that which life is sustaining life. It's, it's where we draw our life and our vibrance from. If I were to tell you what's the most important thing right now for you to be doing, I would say breathing. You can do okay without water right now. Amen. Some of you may not think this way, but, but you don't need to get a drink while this sermon's going on. You'll be okay. And you don't have to eat, but you've got to breathe. There's not a person in here that can hold his or her breath until I'm done. <laughs> but just for fun, let's try. Ready? I'll tell you when you can breathe. <laughs> It'll be real quickly like I've been preaching during COVID. The seats. <laughs> you have to have oxygen when you don't immediately need water, don't immediately need food, you need oxygen or you're gone. Now watch this. It's critical that you get this. It's oxygen to your soul. What happens when you're natural or, you know, in terms of the body, the oxygen level is low? When the blood level if oxygen is low, it's called hypoxemia, and that's dangerous. But if it's not checked, then it will go into the tissues, and that's called hypoxia. And that means now in your liver and vital organs, there's no oxygen. And if you don't remedy that real quickly, you can begin to damage and destroy those tissues faster than you can realize. It doesn't take a long time. Somebody being without oxygen is in a dangerous place for a lot of reasons, and this is one of those reasons. Now, in terms of encouragement for the soul, you know, not receiving encouragement, that's not necessarily going to damage your liver, but it is going to damage your soul. Understand this today. I want to just make sure you get this. Low levels of O2 in the soul... And by O2, I mean oxygen, encouragement for the soul. When that happens, watch. The soul, as you have been taught, is made up of the mind and the will and what else? The emotion. Say that with me. My soul, and my mind, my will, and my emotions. Now let's say I'm being starved for oxygen in my soul. Let's say that my mind, my will, and my emotions are not getting that life-giving oxygen called encouragement. There's no way that I'm going to think correctly. 
You cannot think correctly and biblically when you're not being encouraged. Can't happen. Some of you are struggling in the area of making decisions. You can't make good decisions when the encouragement level in your life is low. Because oftentimes you'll do something to try to build that up on your own and take you flat out of the will of God. Your emotions, you say, no wonder people are out of control in their emotions. Yes, because there's not any life-giving encouragement going in. Raise your hand if you like to think right. How many like to decide right? How many like to have dominion over your emotions instead of your emotions having dominion over you? You need encouragement because it's oxygen for the soul. Some are having a real problem in their thinking, their decision-making, and their emotions because of that deficit. Encouraged people, listen carefully, they think clear, they make better decisions, and they better manage their emotions. Everybody say, we need encouragement. Come on, say it boldly. I need encouragement. Encouragement is manifestation of love and it stabilizes the soul. There's not a person in here right now that doesn't need their soul stabilized. Say it boldly. It'll help me think right. Choose right. And feel right. Wouldn't that be wonderful? A lot of people that, that cross boundaries and even violate their own values, they're doing so to remedy this very thing. The wrong person encouraging them and then attaching to their values can completely mess their life up. When they think about the people of Hope Harbor, I want them to say that's a godly bunch. I want them to say that's a faith-filled bunch. But more than anything, I want them to say that's a loving bunch. Man, that's the most encouraging people I've ever been around. Brother Hagen would never talk evil of anyone. Somebody said one time to him, he said, well, you'd probably find something good to say about the devil. He said, well, he is a persistent cuss. <laughs> we want to be around that, but we want to be that kind of spirit where we're encouraging people so they can live at a level that God has dreamed for them. Amen? Well, how do you stay encouraged then? Everybody say, I'm called to the ministry of encouragement. Number one, realize how much God loves you. Get a revelation of that. He's for you. Well, he's only for me when I'm good or when I have good days, you know, when he sees me on a bad day. No, he loves you on a bad day. He knew about the bad day before you did. He knew what you were going to say and do before you said and did it. He was aware that it was said and done. Nothing caught by surprise, and yet he said he loves you. He demonstrates his love in this, while we were yet sinners, at our worst, he died for you. Now, let me tell you something. The person that knows 100% that God loves him or her, you're going to be a person who is staying encouraged. And can I tell you something? Let everything else pale in comparison to the grandness of God and how he feels about you. 
Do not elevate what you go through, the experiences you have, physical difficulties, financial difficulties, relational problems. Don't you dare elevate any of that at the highest level where God is at. You remind yourself, no matter what I go through today, tomorrow, or next week, or next month, whatever, don't make a difference, God loves me. Come on, shout it, God loves me. Say it again, God loves me. Come on, say it, I'm his favorite. How many favorites does he have? A lot of them. Come on, say it again. God loves me. He's pleased with me. He's not against me. He is for me. Me. I'm his favorite. You want to start a conversation at work? Start it with that. I'm God's favorite. And the religious will go, Tell them you're his favorite, then tell them you're righteous. I didn't say I'm righteous in me. He gave me his righteousness. I just believe his word. Hallelujah. Yes, amen. Shout it out. He loves me. It's got to be more than just a song you sing. There's nothing more encouraging, nothing, than to know deep in your heart, he loves you, he's for you, he's not against you. You can count on him to be there. Amen. Amen. Number two, connect with people who encourage you. Connect with people who encourage you. And avoid those that do not. I didn't say hate them, I'm just saying expose your heart and your spirit to people who encourage you. Well, I can't find anyone yeah, you can. Open up your heart to what God's trying to do. And don't do this. There's one man, you know, that every time he got a compliment, he's looking for an angle. Just receive it. Amen. David, that was a great job on that Sunday school lesson. And he looks at me and goes, all right, what's up? What's the game? Some people aren't very encouraged because they can't receive encouragement. That was a great, you're talking to me about me? They're so filled with negativity from every area of life, they can't possibly, you know, conceive that God would say something good to them or about them through some of his servants. Just take it. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody and say, learn to take a compliment. I mean, everybody does something cool every once in a while. Yes, amen. amen. You connect to people who are encouragers. I haven't figured it out yet. I'm believing God for the wisdom and technology. But one of the days I'm going to walk in here and say, I have learned the secret to cloning Anna. And the whole world's going to be better because of it. (laughs) Amen. We could package her, send her all over the world. Amen. You know why? Because she's nothing but an encourager. No, you say, well, that's because Anna has a charmed life. Everything went perfect for Anna. That's why you want to clone her. No, I want to clone her because she's an encourager despite everything she's been through in life. Amen. 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 
Some of you don't know, but she was a pastor's wife for many years. And if you don't believe in miracles, a pastor's wife that's been a pastor's wife for many years still being an encourager? (laughs) Every once in a while, you just want to curse God and die. (laughs) And take those people with you. I mean, could you imagine if God and Moses were discouraged on the same day? Moses is like, God, you got to get rid of these people. I can't. I'm a covenant keeping God. A couple weeks go by and God says, I'm, I'm fed up. I'm done. I'm knocking these. Oh, God, don't do that. Remember your covenant. But could you imagine if Moses and God on the same day got discouraged? And Moses said, God, I've had it. God says, me too. Watch out. (laughs) This is not out there in the realm of possibility or some kind of, you know, make believe. This is real. Encouragement is life and leads to life. Discouragement steals life. That's why God himself came to Joshua. Moses is gone. I know what he put up with because I was there. Got so mad one time, he took the stick and struck the rock. The other day, I, I had a stroke of honoriness come on me. And when I heard about the, the mask mandate, we welcome you to wear them or not wear them here, but you have to deal with other businesses and what they're doing and what the governor's saying, and now what the courts are saying, it gets real confusing just in one state. But when I heard that mandate come down, I had this vision of following my mom around for about two or three hours (laughs) when she's commanded. (laughs) Let me help you out here. Zero, no filter whatsoever. But thank God Moses and God didn't have a bad day on the same day. And the first thing, think about this. The first thing he does is he comes to Joshua and says, don't be discouraged. Moses was tempted. I was tempted. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you have to yield to it. Just like Moses, you know what? You're going to have some tough challenges here. You're going to have to keep your head high and a stiff upper lip, and you're going to have to stay encouraged. Amen. Now, practically speaking, gravitate and hook up to people. Amen. In terms of, you know, receiving what they have to say with people that are encouraging to you. I'll tell you what, you think about all the nasty things that may be said about you or the hurtful things that may be said about you. It's amazing how one powerful, encouraging thing can lift you up. It'll lift you up way beyond all the things that were negative. And it's not just people giving you the negativity. Some of you are experts at self-discouragement. Amen. Yes, hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, thank God. Moses and God weren't discouraged on the same day. Amen. Number three, how to stay encouraged. Learn to be your own cheerleader. Because at times, that's all you're going to have. David had these men come to him in debt, discontented, distressed, be our captain to us. David didn't ask for him. 
been through many victories with these men, very successful. They return to Ziklag and they find it burned. How quickly those that came to him on their own volition, how quickly they forgot all the victories when suddenly there was a defeat. And they began to talk of stoning him. At that moment in time, he had no cheerleaders. None of the men were praising him. None of them appreciated how he had led them thus far. It was all circumstantial, and in front of them was a disaster. And you know what? The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Come on, say, David, David. Encouraged, encouraged himself in the Lord. Say it one more time. David, David. Encouraged, encouraged himself in the Lord. There may be a day like that and nobody's around. But you still are. And you get your mirror. And you look at it. And you tell that person that's on the other side of that mirror, you can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You look at that mirror, you say, you're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. You look at that mirror and you say, I'm part of the Overcomers Club. You look at that mirror and you say, it is a year of triumph. I don't care what happens. You're always going to be led forth in triumph. Sometimes you need to grab your own pom-poms and just shake, shake, shake. Amen. You can do it. When I was a little kid. We were raised in Marion, Illinois. I always remember, you know, at the, at the track and the cheerleaders. And they always had these really fantastic cheers. For example... Big G, little O, go, go. That was it. Big G, little O, go, go. Big G, little O, go, go. Apparently, the cheers in Mary were consistent with our collective intelligence. I don't know what the deal was. Big G, you couldn't miss it. Could you imagine one of the cheerleaders going, how do you spell go? I don't know. Shout it out, Big G. Big G. Little O. Little o. Go. 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 Sometimes you've got to learn to talk to yourself. Amen. You say, I can't do it. You already do it. Yep. You're nothing. You'll never be anything. You can't do this. Nobody loves you. Look at you. Well, you're worthless. What are you still here for? You're still taking up air. Blah, blah, blah. No, look at that mirror and speak the truth and love to yourself. Amen. Amen. If that doesn't work, grab yourself by the neck. <laughs> and at least do this. Big G, little O, go. Now, when we got over to Carbondale with the swim team, we had really great, really great cheers. Look at somebody and tell them, sometimes you've got to be your own cheerleader. So one of our older swimmers was a student recently at Vanderbilt, and he picked up a brilliant cheer. <laughs> and he would get on the end of the three-meter board, or one-meter board, rather, and he would kind of bounce up and down, let's do this cheer so the rest of the teams can hear us. And he would yell, this is not a diving board. And being the brilliant people that we were, we said, yes, it is a diving board. <laughs> this is not a swimming pool. 
Yes, that is a swimming pool. They are not the losing team. Yes, they are the losing team. We are not the winning team. Yes, we are the winning team. Diving board. Swimming pool, swimming pool. Losing team, losing team. Winning team, winning team. <laughs> Where did they get these people? Can anybody come up with a more complicated cheer than that? And my all-time favorite, pushing back, pushing back, way back. Pushing back, pushing back, way back. <laughs> Are you volunteering, Jim, to come do this for people? <laughs> now, now, look, don't make me break out into cheer mode in the middle of a service here. This is not a platform. This is not a pulpit. This is not an altar. This is not a church. Platform. Pulpit. Altar. Church. Winning team. Right? And oh, by the way, big G, little O. And some of you have made this mindset, well, if I didn't come alongside of me, then I'm just not going to be encouraged. No, you need sometimes to be your own cheerleader. And you'll find if you'll hang in there, that oxygen will come through somebody else one day, fill your sails, and you'll be just fine. Realize how much God loves you. Connect with people who encourage you. Learn to be your own cheerleader. At times, that's all you'll have. Number four, keep your eyes on the word, not your circumstances. There are lots of circumstances to keep your eyes on right now. I mean a lot of things. And none of them are going to build your faith. None of them are going to keep you in right mind, keep you in the right spirit. They're going to sow fear into your life, frustration into your life. You know, uh, companies all over America are encouraging you know, their employees to delete TikTok, the app out of China. It wouldn't be a bad idea to delete a lot of apps on your phone. Either that or put your little cheer app on there. <laughs> Push back. Big G, little O, that'll be good. But that's not what you get usually. What you need to do is, what Joshua did is, keep the word before your eyes. He said to him, don't let it depart from your mouth. It wasn't saying, uh, don't you dare speak it. He was saying, don't you stop speaking the word. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do it. And he said, you will make your way successful and prosperous. Amen. You are not going to be successful and prosperous giving your attention to everything but the word of God. This is a time to shore up your devotion to and your connection with the word of God and hold the word in the highest esteem possible. It is infallible. It is without an error. And it is the word of God. It is the only thing that will keep you encouraged in the midst of all this nonsense. Keep your eyes on the word. Jesus said, fix your eyes what? Who is your what? The author and the finisher of your faith. Fix your eyes on the word. And number five, sow encouragement into the lives of others because we reap what we sow. Do you know what this world needs right now? 
This world needs Christians to be world-class encouragers. They need this desperately. They need it desperately. Say it with me. Right now, I make a decision to be a world-class encourager. Somebody thinks of me, they think of encouragement. People in retail, people in restaurants, people you work with, people you go to church with, people that are total strangers to you. You know, make up your day. Fill it with ways of encouraging people. How can you become a world-class encourager? First of all, you got to stay encouraged yourself. Nobody needs the discouragement that may be there. They need the encouragement. Number two, look for what people do right and not the wrong. I said look for the right. Not the wrong. You can find the wrong if you want to. But look for the right. If you're going to err, err on the side of mercy, number three. Err on the side of mercy. You know what? Those whole part people, they're just too merciful. What a great testimony that is. Rather than those whole part people, I'll tell you they're harsh and judgmental. You don't want to be around them. No. Merciful. Err on the side of mercy. And before, stand up to the cancel culture in this country. It's not encouraging, it's discouraging. The CEO of Goya Products has been helping the previous president and the current president with initiatives, business initiatives, and he's taken all kinds of flight because he dared say that he supported what the president was doing in terms of economic policy. And if he were like a lot of other people, he'd say, you know what, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I shouldn't have said that, forgive me, just cancel me. But you know what he did? He stood up, he said, no, thank you, I will not buy into what you're selling. And so, of course, out there they said, well, boycott Goya. You know what I say? Don't boycott Goya. Buy more products of Goya than you ever have in your entire life. Buy them. Because you need to start saying no to this. Well, we don't like the way that was portrayed. We should get rid of that. Say, no. This person should be fired. This person should be canceled. Well, take the good with the bad and tell people no. The people of God need to stand up and not be a part of that nonsense. Because that culture is not encouraging. It is not merciful. And it is not of God. And it should never be in the heart of a child of God. You will never find a perfect servant of God. So if the standard is to not be canceled perfection, we're all done. There's a talk show host, a late night comedian, thought it was fun to rail on everybody else's errors and mistakes until he was found to be involved in some serious, you know, racial snafus and horrible things that he did. Be careful going around canceling everybody. You just might get canceled yourself. That's all practice. Say no. I think you should cancel this. No. no. Speak the truth in love. We're people of mercy. You know who else is a person of mercy? God. He's not interested in canceling you. He's interested in restoring you. So should we. Stay encouraged yourself. Look for what people do right, not the wrong. If you are to err, err on the side of mercy. Stand up to the cancel culture in this country. Big G, little O. <laughs> last find someone every day 
to encourage and lift up? How often? Every day. And if you'll listen to the Lord and listen to your heart, he'll lead you in this. And don't pay attention to how people respond because sometimes people keep that stiff up. Nothing wrong with me. I'm just perfect. But go around the corner or go home that day and bowl like a baby because God loved them enough to send an encourager their way. Don't pay attention to reactions. God tells you, if you're working with David, God tells you specifically, you know what? Go encourage this guy. Encourage him. Be really motivated to do this. And what will happen is you'll reap this as well. Imagine if everybody in this church made it their personal endeavor this week to encourage somebody every day. One is you'll be healthier than you've ever been spiritually. And two, people are going to start saying, well, there goes Wilma. She's the biggest encourager I know. Then we'll have to start cloning her too, won't we? Amen. Say it with me. Encourage. Encourage. Every day. day. They're afraid. They're struggling. The economy in Kentucky has been hit hard by COVID. This community, as well as others, are reeling from issues affected by, you know, those things and decisions made during this time. It's just the way it is. What needs to happen is we've got the answer. We've got the truth. Now, you don't have to get all religious on them. Your opening phrase should not be, turn or burn, you worm. <laughs> that, that should not be your opening phrase. But you know what? I just, I just felt like you could use some encouragement. I just wanted to tell you, you know what? That project at work, you did such a phenomenal job. You did such a great job in leadership. You really handled that team well. You really fixed that thing and made it work. Praise God for you. Thank you for doing that. And just encourage people. You know what happens to them? You can almost see it physically when you're an encourager. There's a man in Scripture named Barnabas. Everybody else was afraid to deal with Saul, the persecutor, who became Paul. But you know what Barnabas did? Took him under his wing to encourage him. In fact, his name means son of consolation or son of encouragement. There are other people that it's probably good Paul did not come in contact with at that time because they would not have been able to do what Barnabas did. Do you know what this world needs right now? More Barnabases than we've ever had before. So I challenge you, let it be the church that love built by being an aggressive in your encouragement every day. There's always something positive you can say to somebody, no matter what's going on in their life. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap and thank him for it.